You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast. I'm excited about our podcast today, where we will be hosting a conversation with Jamie Prince, the owner and president of Flourish. Jamie has been practicing strategic communication for 20 years. Since 2009, she's run Flourish, a marketing, public relations, and events firm she founded during the midst of the Great Recession. She's grown her business up to a team of 12 professionals with whom together they've served more than 100 brands across the Southeast and have been honored with over 60 awards for their work. She's married to her husband, David with whom I've had the chance to spend time with as well, and is the mother of their three children, Reese, Jack, and Emmy. Please join me today in welcoming our guest, Miss Jamie Prince. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be here. Uh, Jamie, a little, little background, Jamie, her husband, David, and I recently spent some time together where we shot sporting clays at Purcell Farms uh, and I believe you turned in a better performance than me, Jamie. That was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I cannot imagine that my my score was better than yours, but I appreciate that kindness. Um, it was definitely a fun time. Well, Jamie, uh, let's just get right into it. So before we get started uh, with your journey with your company at Flourish, I'd like to ask you to please start out by sharing a little background about yourself so our audience can get to know you a little better. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so as you as you mentioned, I've been in strategic communications a pretty long time, but this was not where I originally saw myself in terms of a career. I went to college for pre-law and throughout college had all kinds of internships with different facets of the law and really felt like that was what I was supposed to do. I went so far as to um, apply for scholarships, and I was awarded a full scholarship to law school in New York. And so, uh, although I'm uh, born and raised in South Carolina and went to college in South Carolina, I ended up moving to New York um, and really fell in love with the city. And I was doing fine academically, but uh, my heart was just not in law school and in a career in law as I thought that it would be. So that was a big wake-up call. There's a song that John Mayer sings where the lyrics um, the lyrics describe a quarter-life crisis. So not a mid-life crisis, but a quarter-life crisis. And I really believe that that's where I found myself in my early 20s. Um, but the good news is that it, it allowed me to dig deep and rediscover the gifts that I had and figure out how to use those. And in New York, you don't have very much time, as you know. Um, the, it's very expensive to live there, uh, particularly when you're young. And so within about two weeks, I, uh, you know, I, I began getting out there and I decided to hone in on the publishing world because I was a really strong writer and I had a love for books and, and all things media, really, at that point. And, and someone took a chance on me, and that was really the beginning of my career in strategic communications. I started out at um, the executive assistant level 
and uh, worked for publicly traded companies in New York. I worked for Martha Stewart for a few years, and that was an incredible experience. And I just sort of earned my stripes. They loved the fact that I was Southern because I was so kind, but I was also smart. <laughs> and I think that that was, um, you know, a bit of a uh, anomaly to them at the time, which sounds so stereotypical now. But um, but anyway, it really did. My kindness um, and those Southern manners really made the difference in my success in New York, as opposed to other people my age. I really feel like. Um, but anyway, that is how I got into communications work, and I eventually moved home and got married and uh, began a proper, um, you know, marketing and communications role um, in in my, you know, mid to late twenties. So, and I've been at it ever since. You know, Jamie, the funny thing about it is, is that you mentioned that quarter life crisis. Uh, I think that we all tend to go through that at some point. I can tell you when I was in my early 20s, I had no idea what I wanted to do, which is the reason why I got a business degree, <laughs> I suppose. And um, so it's, it's funny that, uh, that, that you, you mentioned that and you bring that up. But yeah, you eventually found your calling, it sounds like, and uh, you have made your way into uh, what seems to be a perfect business for your personality and what you're doing right now. And so let's just sort of dive into that. What's, uh, so what is it that you do? Tell us about your business and uh, a little bit about what you're doing and, and where it's going. No, oh, I'd love to. So I run Flourish and we are a boutique sized firm specializing in marketing, public and community relations work, as well as uh, corporate events. And I started this in 2009 because I was in uh, luxury real estate. I was doing the uh, communications and marketing work for an, a national luxury real estate company. And as we all know, real estate really took a nosedive in 2008. So I saw the writing on the wall. But also, I was the mother of my first child, and she was still a newborn at that time. And life was, you know, the reality of, of my life really um, came into crystal clear uh, or crystal clarity rather um, during that time because I realized that I could no longer work 70 hour weeks and have uh, hour and a half commute. I really needed to figure out a different way, a smarter way to do things. So I left that uh, company and was intending to just be a consultant. And um, within a very short period of time, I had companies calling, their leadership calling, and the common thread seemed to be that they could not afford a large marketing agency. You know, their resources were limited during that time. They were having to really be careful with their budgets. But on the other hand, more than ever, they needed somebody with senior level expertise to help guide them through what they should be doing during that period of time uh, to stay relevant, to stay top of mind, um, to, to outperform their competitive set once the economy began turning uh, positive again. So that's actually how Flourish began. It began with just myself helping companies weather the recession and believe it or not, on the other side of the recession, um, we, it, we, ex 
experienced great growth and we had a very solid client base. We had earned their trust during a very difficult period for their for their business. And, you know, most of those people we still keep in touch with um, to this day. So that's how we started. And then over the years, we, we gradually added team members uh, as we grew our client service program. And in 2013, we launched our event division. And we focus uh, primarily on corporate events. Uh, we do we do also a lot of work with nonprofit organizations and um, their fundraising. So we have a fundraising specialist on staff here, and we have um, an event production team that um, can can execute events as small as very high level dinner parties all the way up to you know the thousands of people. The largest event that we've done was uh, the eclipse over Clemson when it was the solar eclipse a couple of years ago and um, that event we had 50,000 people so um, it's been a great ride no day is ever the same and we've been able to help a ton of people and make a lot of friends oh that's fantastic what a great story jamie and as i understand it i think your your husband david also works in the business with you as well right he does so you know uh, a lot of people say how do you do that and you know, at first, I will admit, for me, it was uh, a learning experience. Um, for David, though, it was the most natural thing in the world. He grew up with his parents working together um, their, you know, their entire career, and um, his grandparents worked together. So he was just raised in an environment where that was normal. And they, um, they are entrepreneurs. They come from a family that uh, you know, they've run several different businesses. And at the time that I formed Flourish, David was actually running his family's business. Um, and within a couple of short years, they decided to sell that business. And so as they began sort of, um, you know, doing that process, he began helping me uh, with Flourish's billings and are the little bit of operations work that we really needed to have done, the, the legal um, being, you know, being the liaison for our accountants and lawyers and all of that, that's just his specialty. So it worked really great because that's not my strength. And uh, my strength is being creative, being a strategic thinker. And although I can definitely understand that side of the business, it wasn't, um, I didn't need to be spending my time, you know, devoted to that. So. He loves that, came in originally part-time, and then when the family business sold, he joined full-time, and I think he's been full-time with me now for, gosh, maybe nine to ten years. Well, it sounds like you're such a, a complimentary team working together. Do you guys uh, leave room for anything to talk about at night over dinner? <laughs> well, you know, I feel like we go through phases as a couple where we draw a line, a healthy line between work talk and, you know, personal and family talk. We really try to devote our dinners to family talk. Um, it's rare that we talk about anything, um, you know, concerning work. But I will say a couple of years ago, I had a life coach, um, you know, in a point in time where I really needed um, some, some direction. Um, professional direction in what I was experiencing. And I'll never forget we did this exercise 
and identified that for me, it was very stressful and held a lot of anxiety for me to have such a sharp line between my family and my and my work. And also, I'll add a third bucket, my faith. I was, you know, I, I, I had been struggling to keep those separated because I felt like that was the right thing to do. But in my case, um, as this exercise showed me, um, I'm actually much happier just blending them together. And so I began doing that and it didn't feel comfortable at first because I had tried to avoid it for so long. But I'll tell you honestly that it has been a game changer. It's been a game changer for me. Um, I feel like for David and I as a couple and our family and also for our team here, I just, you know, I've, I've grown a lot in the past couple of years because I did that. That's fantastic that you guys have been able to make that work for you. That's a that's a big struggle for a lot of uh, families who try to work together in a business and then coexist as a family afterwards. But uh, as you know, um, my wife also works in our business, and we found a way to to make that work as well, and and also coexist as a family. And that that can be a that can be a challenge. But I'm glad to hear that you guys were able to make that work, and and it's being successful for you. So. Jamie, let's just talk about that for a little bit. Let's let's pivot here and talk a little bit about uh, what's been the biggest challenge that you have faced as a CEO in running Flourish. Yeah, so I was, you know, um, I really think that, and and hopefully this will ring true with some of the listeners. I hope so. But I think my biggest challenge has been learning how to manage people. I. Although in my past um, career life, I have had a, a management position, it's not like that I, ma- it's not that I managed a, a large team in that position. I may have managed one or two people, and I may have managed, you know, agencies. For instance, when, when I was, you know, working luxury real estate, there was a point during the real estate boom where we had three different agencies uh, that I was responsible for um, you know, liaising with on a continual basis, plus uh, the folks internally. But when you have your own business and you are building your team, you know, it is a new skill. If human resources is not your background, I feel like it is a, it's a challenge to learn how to effectively manage people. And um, so I, I would say that, I would say that, you know, I, I wasn't get. I felt like that I wasn't gifted um, at at doing that. But you know, as time has gone on, I've really been a student about that, and we've we've done some things here over the years that have really made it so much better. And I'll have to say that um, you know, one of the things we implemented came directly from the chief executive boards group that I am a member of at the national summit. So tell tell me more about that, Jamie. So how how did you overcome that challenge? How did you learn to do that or or, or manage people, uh, as you say? How did how did you learn that skill, or or is that still evolving? What let's dive into that. Well, I I do feel like it's ever evolving. But what I'll say is that I recognized a couple of things. I recognized that you know I needed to work on our culture. Culture is such a big word now, um, and you know 
but the truth was that I needed to work on creating an environment where people wanted to come to work every day. They were excited, you know, and, and our client work alone is very exciting. But, you know, you, you end up spending more time in the office in your work environment than you do at home. Uh, and so it's really important to make that environment you know, indicative of the kind of uh, personality that you want your company to have when people talk about you. So I really began working on that. Another thing that I did, I recognized was that you've heard of the term imposter syndrome. And I recognized that I had a bit of that, you know, not on the side of creative strategy or on, you know, new business development or, you know, what to do in certain situations. But I did feel like I was underselling my ability to be a good, as you said, CEO. And just because I maybe I was, um, you know, I didn't have as much self-confidence as I needed to. And so I worked on those things and I still am working on those things. Part of my, you, you hopefully know this about me, a lot of folks say, you know, that I'm very compassionate and that I have a way of identifying with what other people are feeling. And, you know, that comes in very, very handy. It's a great advantage to have in this business because I'm able to read into our clients' needs very quickly and know how to respond in a way that is appropriate for them in their business. Um, but for, for my own team, you know, that had, there were times when that backfired, honestly. And, you know, I was too, I, I was almost too compassionate and maybe didn't set the right kind of boundaries as I should have in certain circumstances. So um, over the years, I have really tried hard to create um, a warm and welcoming environment here where our team can thrive and where I feel comfortable, where I feel like I can walk in and I'm not really seen as the boss, but I'm, I'm seen as a collaborator. I'm seen as a, um, you know, as, as a, someone that you can approach and talk to and, and share with and also somebody that is going to accept that failure is a part of growth. Um, you know, it's something that nobody likes to fail at, at things. Um, but, you know, there are certainly times in your business where, you know, something does not go according to plan. And I, I feel like that in my younger days, I was such a perfectionist and that was a real blow to my ego. But as time has gone on, you know, those have become like war wounds and I feel a lot wiser. Um, I'm probably not nearly as wise as, um, you know, I, I will be, but um, I, I feel wiser and I realize now that had it not, you know, were it not for those those times where I felt, you know, weak or flourish, you know, performed, you know, lower than than our standards, we would not be where we are today, which is in a better place because we were able to look look at that and learn from that and and not feel, um, you know, not feel a sense of failure really, but feel a sense of um, kind of constructive growth out of that. Jamie, it's, it's, it's awfully funny that you bring up uh, the, the comment about making mistakes, about being a perfectionist. I was exactly the same way at a young age. I was afraid 
to make a mistake when I first entered business. And I had a very powerful mentor uh, one time. He was a very humble guy, but he was very smart. And he came to me and said, Kevin, if you aren't making mistakes, then you're not doing anything. <laughs> and that was so freeing to hear him say that. He said, it's okay to make mistakes. Just don't make the same bonehead mistake over and over again. And That's right. Let's, <laughs> and let's fix whatever mistakes that you make quickly. And boy, what a, what a powerful, freeing comment that was. And that's how we, that's how we learn. So uh, given, given this challenge that you have faced as a CEO and, and how you are working or how you have overcome it, what, what did you take away from that experience? What was it that you learned along the way? Yeah, so I learned several things, I feel like. Number one, you know, people are people. And at the end of the day, just, you know, I feel like people thrive on on stability and structure. But at the same time, you know, they, you know, the, the human in us wants to be treated um, with a sense of humanity. And, and so, you know, the way that I interact with my team now, I have worked a lot on my leadership skills, um, but I, I would say that I, I, would I would want someone to describe me as a compassionate leader. Um, so I have those healthy boundaries now. I'm aware uh, that, um, you know, certain policies and procedures need to be in place and it's not the wild, wild west or, or anything. But at the same time, I feel like I have gotten to know my team members each of them on a level where, you know, I know about their family life. I know, um, for instance, one of my team members, her husband travels a lot and she has three young children. And I know as a mom of three young children, what that feels like, you know, when you're by yourself and having to operate solo. And so, you know, you, in years past, I, I maybe would have just sort of made a mental note, oh, look, you know, she's she's challenged this week, I need to give her some extra grace. But now, fast forward a few years, now I, you know, I reach out to her, I ask her how she's doing with things. You know, one day I, as I was out to lunch, I brought back to the office, you know, a dinner um, that is an easy dinner that she could heat up um, for her and her kids so that she wouldn't have to go to the effort of making a meal. And so I'm trying to be a lot more thoughtful um, with with each of my team members and um, and just and as well as my clients. I feel like that I that I'm that way with my clients, but for whatever reason, like it's sometimes I get sucked into work um, and I, I get a little bit of tunnel vision. And so it's it's you know been an exercise for me to to lift myself out of that proactively and go and deepen my relationships with my team. So, Jamie, it, it's fascinating that you say, you know, that your learning throughout this is, is basically to get to know your employees and, and your clients on a human level. And they're not just assets to your company, but you, you've actually, over time, grown an awareness, it sounds like, uh, and an empathy for identifying with your employees on a personal level as well, not not just, you know, the fact that you see them at work and they have a job to do and, and so forth. And and so what a what a growth measurement uh, that, that you have gone through there, 
Uh, don't you wish somebody would have uh, planted that seed in your ear at a very young age, to, you know, that, that we had the opportunity to kind of get those kind of things when we were younger? I do. And, you know, I really wish that someone had taken an, an interest in me. You know, part, part of what I think about sometimes is, am I acting you know, in in this way, only because I saw someone else act that way. And, you know, that is never a good way to, to operate. And so, you know, I think that it it has been, as you, you use the terminology freeing, it, one thing that's been freeing for me is to just embrace who I am and the kind of leader that I am. You know, I'm not meant to be the same leader as someone else, you know, with a di- with a different personality. And so I've come into my own a lot more in the past few years. And I feel like that that has really just had a ripple effect um, throughout Flourish, certainly, and and also to our clients and our community. It's amazing what authenticity uh, will, will, will do for you, Jamie. And and I see you as an authentic person. I know that in our interactions and so forth, uh, you, you've always been authentic in who you are. And, you know, that that does come across to people and it comes across very sincerely. So uh, great story about the, the challenge that, that you had to overcome as, as a CEO. Let's talk a little bit about uh, on the other end of the spectrum. What's been your biggest success so far? Well, so, you know, I... In thinking about that, I really have two, and they're connected. About five years ago, I started feeling ill, and I couldn't really put my finger on what was going on. You know, I did all the regular things, had a physical, had lab work, you know, had some scans, and, you know, nothing turned up. And so I just kept working, and, um, you know, over the months, it, you know, got worse. And so... In January of 2016, I started to, it started to impair my ability to work um, and to, to function and normally or at the high level, you know, all of us at this level are so high functioning. And so even just a little ding on that has a big effect. And that's what I was experiencing at that time. And so within a few short months, um, you know, we could not figure out what was going on. And I ended up having to take a medical leave of absence. And, you know, that is something I never thought that I would happen to me. And um, I, I was out for uh, a total of four months. And during that period of time, um, I went to um, a specialist at the Mayo Clinic. And thankfully, it was a very simple fix. But it was just not something that any of the doctors up until that point had, you know, could identify. So, um, but nevertheless, there was a period of healing where I had to kind of get my strength back and and all of that. And so, you know, four months uh, away from work. And when I say away, I mean completely away. Um, No emailing, no checking on things. Like I really had to 100% dedicate myself to getting better. And, you know, I, I will say that um, coming back to work, so coming back to the office for me was in and of itself a huge marker of success. Um, just the fact that I was so sick um, and I, you know, and I had taken that leave 
to be able to come back, first of all, and the business hadn't folded, that to me was remarkable. And, you know, I, during that period of time, my husband, David, really ran things in my team, which was significantly smaller, you know, four or five years ago. Um, they were just, I just can't say enough about their loyalty and their ability to step up. I'll never forget that a younger team member of ours had a very big pitch to earn some business. She had never, I was always the one to go in and pitch. Um, and to this day, I'm usually, um, you know, I, I have some help now, but um, I do a lot of pitching still. But she had never done a pitch by herself. And, uh, you know, she stepped up and she learned to do that. And I will say, as a side note, this same person has now just this year opened her own agency down in Charleston. And I'm so proud of her. So some of this, you know, is trial by fire. But Anyway, the team was just so excellent. And when I when I got back to work, you know, it took me a few weeks to really find my feet again. And it felt foreign. I'll just I'll just say that it felt foreign to come back into the office. Um, I felt like an outsider. I had never felt that way before. And um, I felt separated from my team, even though I was, you know, entirely grateful to them. Um, but just to be back was such a success. And then a year later, so uh, a year later, I got the notification from an organization I'm a member of. It's called the Public Relations Society of America. I received word that I had been uh, awarded um, the top the top award for the state of South Carolina it's called the Thomas Duke um, PR Practitioner of the Year Award. And um, it was because my team and my clients had nominated me. Um, and it is a rigorous process, uh, this award to, to, you know, the vetting process is, uh, they do their due diligence. And they knew that I had been sick and I had been out. But what came across from the clients and the team was that um, you know, allowing them that independence to really, I mean, even though it was nerve wracking, I'm sure, to step up, um, you know, without me managing them uh, was, was such an experience. And then, you know, our clients just had the nicest things to say about, you know, some of them said, you know, they had always associated Flourish with me. And then when I was out, they really realized that there was a whole team there. Um, of uh, very adept professionals that, that, you know, never skipped a beat. And so um, receiving that award to me was just um, one of the greatest moments. Um, I, I think that it would have been great any year of my career, but the fact that I had, you know, battled this illness and had come back from it um, in such a way and then to receive that award um, just that following year. That was that was really special. You know, that's such a great story, Jamie, that you were able to step away for four months and your business survive it. And not only that, but your team uh, pitched in and and stepped up. And, you know, as you know, I mean, w w being a business owner is not for the faint of heart. And <laughs> we're going to face crisis situations. We're going to face the unknown sometimes and curveballs that come out of left field sometimes on us and, and things like that. But 
what a wonderful feeling to know that you've got a team that that stepped up and that you were able to not only make it through that situation, but also receive an award a year later where your team contributed to that situation. And they also nominated you uh, during that period of time. And so can you, can you just sort of trace back for us and identify maybe what, what contributed to that? What do you think it was that, that, helped you to get through that situation or contributed toward that success? You know, I honestly feel like that even though I said before, my biggest challenge as a CEO has been to learn how to manage people. You know, that was a, that, that was an experience where now in looking back, I think to myself, you know, I must've been doing something right. (laughs) And um, because Well, and I'll say that one of the hallmarks of working at Flourish, when when you're onboarded here, you really do jump right in. There's no, there's very little hand-holding, you know, and and for for some people that is, you know, comes as a shock. Um, There's no runway, like, you know, we really just get down to business like day one that you're here. And as shocking as that might be for some people, in the end, you you learn so quickly and you learn so much more and you develop that self-management. You develop that, you know, independence that allows me to not have to micromanage. And so in looking back, I think that tracing just that attitude that I have about jumping right in and learning if I hadn't been that way, um, and if, if our team members hadn't embraced that, um, there's no way, I just feel there's no way that Flourish would have survived the four months, you know, with me totally out of the picture. But because, you know, everybody did embrace that, um, they were already used to, um, you know, like managing things on their own to a certain degree. And although they had to step a little bit farther out there, they were used to doing that. They were used to stepping out of their comfort zone. They were used to being challenged and problem solving. And that's something big we do with all of our clients. I mean, we're constantly helping them solve problems. And so I feel like it really was, um, you know, maybe a divine gift um, to all of us that that we had been doing that. Jamie, what a what a great story. You know, every business has its own unique challenges and its own unique successes. And thank you for sharing those with us today. So now I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you, what is it that you believe that makes some businesses successful while others tend to struggle? Is there a general concept in mind that, that you that you believe? Uh yes. So the first thing is I guess the proper word for it would be grit. So just sticking in there when others would have already quit or bailed, you know, I I think grit is something that we look for in our team members when we're recruiting and uh, as well as, you know, a couple of other key things. But I, I feel like grit definitely separates the good from the great. And then I also, going back to what we were talking about before, about learning how to view failure as a part of growth, a natural part of growth. I, I think that there are some individuals that failure can sink them and then they they don't go as far, whereas other people, they view it as a, a lesson to be learned and they want to sort of dig into that 
And um, as you said before that your mentor said, you know, just don't make the same bonehead mistakes twice. So um, that, that's what I would say. I would say grit and the ability, you know, kind of your, your attitude towards failure. That's a wonderful comment, Jamie. Uh, you know, if more people, more business owners would take into consideration that working through a failure and looking at that as a gift uh, is, is really, that's what that is. That is a gift to, to go through a failure and come out on the other side. And, and, and it's also one of the best educations that we can give each other is that, that ability to fail and learn from it because that's the best way that we actually learn is to stumble and actually experience it. So I'm glad to see that you're taking, taking that approach, uh, that it's, it's a natural part of growth and, and it's, it's not a setback. Granted, it feels like a setback at the time, but it's actually helping your, your people and your employees. Do you, is that, is that the way you feel about it? I do. I, I sure do. And, and, you know, I'm also transparent with our team about the times when I personally fail. And I, I used to not be that way. You know, I didn't, I, I felt like, well, they don't need to see me fail. Um, that sets the wrong, you know, tone or that's not the right image. And the truth is that seeing me fail or, you know, not do as well as I wanted to or whatever, you know, allows me to, you know, to, to have a, a, an intimacy with my team um, because we're all, we're all human, you know, we're all in this together and we all make mistakes. You know, that really creates that safe environment for your employees to feel comfortable uh, in, in coming to work and being able to, you know, because you know their hearts are in the right place. And if they feel free to be able to do that, then they're going to be able to have open dialogue. There's going to be, you know, the ability to ask those transparent questions or those challenging questions that, you know, obviously in a respectful way that, that need to be asked. And so what a, what a great environment you, you have created there, Jamie. Now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you what makes you feel optimistic about the future of your business. Well, a couple things. First of all, you know, I feel like that we are in a service business. I feel like we, every every one of us has a servant's heart. And, you know, I told you before that, you know, grit is one of the things I look for when I'm recruiting. Well, the other thing that I look for is a servant's heart. And, um, and you can't teach that. And, you know, I feel like that viewing ourselves as um, that we are in service to our clients and to one another and our community that that puts us in a, in a position to truly help people. Um, I feel like we earn their trust a lot faster by being in service to them. And I feel like over time, they become more like family to us. And uh, we have a, uh, we have a, a you know, a, a thing here that we, we call all of us, our, our team and our clients together, the Flourish family. And on social media now, of course, that's a hashtag, but it, it is indicative of who we are and how we try to operate. So 
I'm optimistic because I feel like you can never go wrong serving people. You know, the tactics may change, um, the economy may change, but if you, per, you know, if you try to perfect your ability to serve, you are not going to go wrong. You are always going to land on your feet at the end of the day. And um, it may look a little bit different, but um, the the bottom line is, we, you know, we should be helping each other. And, and that, that's a huge part of our why at Flourish. You know, why are we doing this? Why do we wake up and come here every day? Um, and the, the answer is um, so that we can help. And we help by, you know, um, by allowing people to benefit from our expertise in marketing and PR, um, fundraising and events. But, um, you know, it's, it's our way. And I believe that it's a really successful way. Well, Jamie, what a fantastic outlook uh, about how you're approaching the future, even though there's uncertainty around every corner. Um, you know, you, you have to stay positive and optimistic. And I'm glad to hear you say, you know, what you just said. Um, but Jamie, we're about out of time and I want to wrap this up. And I want to ask you, where's the best place for our listeners to go to connect with you and learn about uh, learn about you and, and Flourish? Well, I'd love for everybody to start with our website. The URL is startflourishing.com. And also, I'd love for folks to check us out on social media. We have really uh, great content that we share on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we also have a blog. Um, and then I would invite any business leaders who may be interested in talking to me personally just to uh, use my direct line to contact me. And that number is 864-248-0255. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure uh, reconnecting and talking with you today. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us and sharing uh, what you've been through as a business owner, some of the success stories and the challenges that you faced and your outlook on, uh, on, on the future here. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, so thank you so much. Uh, our guest today is Jamie Prince with Flourish. And Jamie, uh, I want to uh, reconnect with you again soon. I want to thank you. And I hope you have a great day. I look forward to reconnecting with you again soon. Now, thank you so much for this opportunity, Kevin. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life, at chiefexecutiveboards.com book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.